Climate and Sustainability with Kevin James. And good afternoon to you, uh, Kevin James. Are you good? Yes, uh, Ernest, all good. And, and, and fond regards to you and your team in the studio there. Oh, fantastic. It's all good all round in studio here. Now, uh, last week, Kevin, we spoke to you at the uh, sustainability uh, in the resource sector summit that was happening at the JSE. Uh, please share your thoughts and insights on where the mining sector, for instance, is at the moment with respect to sustainability. Thanks, Ernest. So, yes, it was a very well-run event uh, by an outfit called Blank Canvas International. Very interesting initiatives and innovations presented there by, I have to say, very dynamic people. Mostly suppliers to the mining industry, though, Ernest, and not a lot of mining companies there. Although I did have a chat with Sipo Nkosi, the Xaro CEO, who's uh, moving on next year into his retirement, Mm -hmm. which I thought was quite impressive for a man of that stature to actually be sitting in the auditorium. Difficult climate, Ernest. Uh, probably the big reason is that commodity prices are still uh, suppressed. They have not improved. In fact, they've probably just gotten tighter, and uh, mining companies are finding it difficult to justify the, indis- the extra spend or the discretionary spend, as they would probably call it, on social and environmental strategies at this stage, mm-hmm. which is a huge pity, as actually this is the time that a huge economic impact is required and can be achieved by embracing authentic sustainability. So despite the knowledge that the mining traditionally has been a very, very negative, uh, uh, has had a very negative impact on society and the environment, we cannot live without the sector. We rely on mined minerals in almost every aspect of our lives. So we can't be hypocritical and say it must go away. But moving forward, miners have to put in place plans that benefit society in an authentic way during the life of the mine, and more importantly, beyond the life of the, uh, of, of the mine and its closure, mm-hmm. so that they can actually put back more into the environment uh, once the life of the mine is over. And all of this is possible, but requires very, very upfront, uh, careful upfront planning that involves close alignment. And I've always said this, between not only mining, the one primary industry, but also the other one, agriculture, so that communities can benefit economically, not just from the jobs in the mines, but also through food and energy sovereignty and sustainable livelihoods beyond the life of the mine. So, you know, this will give the miner license to operate, social license to operate, which was a big buzzword at the conference and being able to do what they do in new territories, but also ensure harmony in South African and African mines where communities don't feel that they're being exploited as they have been in the last couple of decades by the sector as the social and environmental pressure cooker uh, becomes greater and more efficient and valuable enterprises emerge. So trouble is right now miners are so stressed with low prices, high levels of debt, that this is a tough discussion. But given the quality of the innovations and the strategies presented at the summit, I'm a firm believer that now is the time for mining houses to dive in and invest in this very, very exciting space. And maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely, I hope so, Ernest. Mm, pun, pun intended. All right, uh, Kevin, just briefly, now researchers at Stanford recently discovered that worms can actually break down uh, styrofoam into a biodegradable waste product. Sounds like a game changer. Yes, it is. So I find this quite hard to believe, Ernest, but it does seem like it adds up. In fact, this worm is the common mealworm, which is really the larva of the darkling beetle that you would feed to your pet reptile or frog, if that's what you're into. Well, apparently insects can survive quite nicely on a pure diet of, sty- diet of styrofoam and leave only biodegradable waste behind, which is quite unbelievable because if you know styrofoam, it takes about 500 years to decompose. So within 24 hours, these words can work through about 40 milligrams of styrofoam 
which is quite a lot, considering it doesn't weigh a lot, and turn half into CO2, which it would have done anyway with anything that they're feeding on. And then the bacteria in their gut can turn the other half of this into biodegradable droppings, which can then be used as organic fertilizer. If this is true, it's quite remarkable, Ernest, given that the two ingredients in styrofoam, benzene and styrene, are both known as, as, as are both well-known carcinogens that are, are, are linked to not only leukemia, cancer, but also to Parkinson's. So it's difficult to believe that there wouldn't be any indirect impacts on the food chain or the food that grows in the fertilizer that these things are being added to. But for now, it seems the mealworms are as healthy as on styrofoam diet as they are on any other organic diet. And the Stanford scientists that have discovered this are planning to try and capture the bacteria that they're finding in the guts of these worms to see if it could be a solution for large-scale plastics recycling. So styrofoam is bad for the environment, Ernest. It generally gets contaminated and goes into landfills and into our sea. Small fractions get recycled. It takes a massive amount of energy and pollution to produce and polluted and litters the land and sea all around us. And my two cents is we should try and work around getting rid of the problem. Polystyrene is a bad idea, right up there with incandescent light bulbs and plastic shopping bags. It's bad for the environment and our health. So I don't think we really need to be finding massive large-scale solutions, but in the meantime, it's a transient solution. So I think that the mealworms eat their way through what's left of styrofoam in our environment. All right. Thank you, Kevin James. We'll leave you there for now. We'll chat again next Wednesday, my friend. Thanks, Ernest. Take care. All right. Fantastic. That's uh, Kevin James from GCX Africa as we chat climate change and sustainability on the Draft Time Experience every Wednesdays.